Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of the EFG Daily Commute. My name is Stephen Deutschman. I am your host, and I am also the founder of EngagedFamilyGaming.com. That is a website on the Internet where parents like myself and my co-hosts come together to give everyone the information they need to get their family game on. It is a special EFG, EFG Daily Commute for two reasons. One, because I am commuting home from New York Toy Fair, and two, because I'm not alone. This will actually be... I think, the first EFG Daily Commute that has a guest on it. How weird is that? But really, it's not weird. It just means Linda's in the car with me. Linda, hi. Hi. Hi, everybody. So we just finished New York Toy Fair for us. New York Toy Fair still has two more days, but we we were here for Saturday and Sunday, and uh, we're exhausted. Yes, to say the least. We are punchy. (laughs) A little bit. But for my dinner before we left, I had uh, tater tots with chorizo and bacon. I so may have snitched some. They were you delicious. definitely snitched them. <laughs> um, and it was it was quite wonderful. So I am just ready to go. I'm hoping that my hype will hold back my heartburn. <laughs> um, so we saw so many games. So much. And some of them we can talk about. Many of them we cannot. That's one of the things that I really love about going to New York Toy Fair is because we get to see, um, you know, some real deep cuts. Because this is where retailers come out and say, this is what's happening for the, or not retailers, but just, uh, publishers, etc. Like, this is what's happening for the rest of the year so that companies like Walmart, Target, etc. can buy for Christmas, and etc. So we got to see some stuff that is not coming out until way later in the year. Um, and some of that hasn't been announced yet, and so that was really exciting. We get to see some secrets. We get to see things that are finally being revealed after a very long time. And, yeah, that's awesome. So, um, Linda and I thought what we would do is we would divide up our experiment here. Because um, we're, we're, we are driving home from New York. Linda is going to be navigating... While we, uh, she's going to be navigating while we are driving. So if, if she has to shout out a direction that I need to go, um, don't mind us. We're driving. Don't worry. I'm hands-free. I but, am not hands-free, but I am not driving. But she's not driving. So I've got the GPS. I've got the notes. we got it all good. going. So we're going to divide this up into two days, yesterday and today. And um, and we're just going to go through it and talk about some of the hotness that we looked at. Because, man, am I hyped about all the stuff we saw. So, um, day one, Saturday, the theme of that day was pleasant surprises. There were a ton of things that we saw that we had either low or no expectations of that overachieved significantly. And um, to the point where there were a few things where you were like, "Ah, should I go to this appointment? Should I even bother? Is this going to be anything? And you ended up going anyway because we just kind of teamed up and went through all these appointments. And you ended up being pretty impressed with just about everything. That's true. And um, as we all know, I'm an unmitigated hype monster. So I was excited about everything because I love seeing new things. But uh, it was a good opportunity for you to see that sometimes I'm not wrong true there was definitely something to be hyped about so um why don't we start so you have your notes i don't and i'm not looking at them no you're not so um (laughs) where did we go so the first thing we did was we kicked off at game right we went to game right of course we we did we might have hoofed it there as fast as we could as soon as doors opened yeah we we pretty much did we didn't (laughs) not like we didn't sprint we didn't sprint but we went directly there we didn't hurt anybody no we didn't but so um Nora, as always, had a whole bunch of games. There were a lot of things to show us. Um, There were three that really stood out for us. Um, There really were. So the first one is uh, called Shifting Stones, and I think that might be, like, without really playing anything this year, I think that might be an early frontrunner for my game of the year. And I know that's really crazy for me to like jump out and like make that prediction but it is definitely a Steve game. It really is but this is one that I don't think is just going to be for you. There, This one, I was one of the pictures that got posted early in our coverage 
and I had two friends already on my Facebook page that were commenting on it. When is it coming? When can we play it? So just from one picture, it grabbed them. So that was really neat to see. And it um, really grabbed us from what we saw. Listen, it grabbed me before we even got there. Like while it was, so, so Shifting Stones is a tile game where there is an array of nine tiles, three rows of three, that are different colors, and they're double-sided tiles. So, um, and the, 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 they're, the different colors have a fixed color on the opposite side. So, like, for example, I don't know if this is correct, all the green tiles have white on the back, or whatever, right? right. But the actual, the actual colors don't really matter. It is not a surprise what is on the reverse side. Correct. It's predictable. And so the idea is what you are doing is drawing cards and trying to score points by move by discarding cards to be able to switch or flip the to shift or flip these various cards. You can have them exchange places with other ones or flip over to the other side. What you're trying to do is build patterns out of this three by three grid based on the cards that are in your hand. Um, so you're kind of using your scoring possibilities as a resource to try and move things around. It is super cool. I love these types of games. <coughs> oh, goodness. Bless you. <coughs> Excuse me. So I love these types of games. This is... I may not be good at, like, shifting them around rapidly, but I love having, as we learned, and we'll talk about that later, but I do love these kinds of, you know, these types of games where you're, you have on your turn, you can move things around and try and match shapes or patterns, etc. Um, I loved it. I think the, the box art looks awesome, even though that was somewhat controversial. Um, just some of the people within Game Right disagreed with me, but that's okay. Um, it, I mean, what did you think? I just, the aesthetic on it was so cool. The gameplay, very simple, very clean, but with lots of strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my favorite thing about Game Right. A lot of the games are simple, quick to learn, quick to play, but challenging to master. And this is definitely one that I think falls in that category. Absolutely. Um, the good news is, if you want to know what we're talking about with the aesthetic, etc., just head on over to our Instagram. It's one of the pictures we posted from over the weekend. And I know over the next couple of days we're going to be posting the rest of them. So um, just keep an eye on the Engage Family and the Instagram account. You'll see, uh, you'll get the, the full breadth of all of our experiences. It's pretty fun. Yes, there's a lot of pictures to go through. We took a ton. Yeah. The next game. Oh, well, this we, is one we talked about. We've talked about before. But it's official with Game Right, so we have to say it here. Absolutely. Dungeon Drop. Day Shift Games, Dungeon Drop, being published by um, Game Right, and it was uh, it was Dungeon Drop. Now, here's the thing. This, I'm a little jealous, because Game Right made these pedestals that have, like, a lid where you can, you know, drop the Dungeon Drop cubes into it, and they don't fly everywhere. They stay in it. And I said to Linda... I you want, want one of these. And I told <laughs> Jason Maselli, one of the uh, heads of Face Shift Games, and he said, well, they're going to be a lot of money. And I was like, okay, maybe I don't want one of these. But I think I'm going to try and experiment with how to make my own. I think we can figure out something between our corrugated plastic and extra yeah. wood laying around. What about foam? We, we can make foam. one out of foam core. Well, we've got a lot of nerdy tools we can use. We can absolutely. And so the idea is dungeon drop. You drop the cubes, you build a dungeon, you find the gray cubes and try and make a triangle, um, and you loot them. It's the same. It, it is the game that we talked about before when it was on Kickstarter, and now Game Right is publishing it, and it absolutely fits in the Game Right. Like it's a great addition to their library. It's absolutely. crazy how perfect it fits. Mm-hmm. Um, so man, it was a great find on their part, and it's not surprising because the reality is Game Right 100% looks at Bfig and CTFig and these other companies, these other smaller conventions for their, uh, you know, to, to kind of get a hold of um, more ideas and they, you know, sign on inventions. Uh, third game, Linda, this one was your jam. This was still my jam. So the third one is called Marshmallow Test, and this was inspired by a scientific study 
from the 60s or so um, that is a test of patience and being able to delay gratification in children. But the game itself is much more interesting than a scientific study. And so you are using, the marshmallows in this game are just work tokens, scoring tokens, but they are squishy, which was so cool. I expected hard plastic and they were squishy plastic. And Like marshmallows. Like marshmallows. Um, and it's all about, it's a push your luck game. And you're trying to get to a certain number and not go over and you're delaying it. Am I saying it right? Am I remember that one? Yeah. Okay. It's a trick-taking game. Trick the game. idea is you are, the, the main key is you don't want to be the person that collects the most tricks. Okay, so I did say it wrong. Yeah, so I, I mean, it's a trick-taking game. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a little bit of, I mean, the idea is right. it's a trick-taking game. You're playing out with given suits, and, and the, the suits are colors, and you're trying to play, but you don't want to be the person that gets the most. Because the person that gets the most actually gets no points. Okay. So I was confusing the mechanic only because we've heard so many games today. But yeah, we, yeah. Um, you know what? There's something, there's something, something to be, to be said, said <laughs> about the volume of games that we saw. Well, and also, man, people just throw gaming terms around a lot. So true. So, so um, Apologies is, for the confusion. So it is a simple game. It is. Uh, if you can play a trick-taking game, you can play a, a simple card game, uh, you can play Marshmallow Test. You just have to remember that one piece, which is that you want to not be the first place person. You want to delay your gratification. And you kind of want to finish second. Yeah, I think, listen to what we're saying, like second to last was like the ultimate spot to be in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was, that's the short version of game, It's right? very hard to come in second to last. Yes. On purpose. That's true. Um, there's a ton more we saw at Game Right. We're not going to say everything right now because we could do a whole podcast just on that booth, I think. There yeah, we so could. Many new games. So we're going to move on to a ne- our second appointment of the day on the first day of uh, Toy Fair. And this was one of our pleasant surprises. We really didn't know what we were walking into as far as what we would We knew the general theme, but we didn't know how it would play out, whether it would be really cool or really disappointing. And thankfully, it was really cool. So our, our appointment was with, was with Super Impulse, mm-hmm. and they are known for teeny tiny games. Correct. The, the teaser we got was we were going to see Magic Cards. And I know, Steve, you were perplexed on how yeah. Magic Cards could be made smaller. Yeah, so what they did, what, what Super Impulse does, like what you said, is they make novelty items that are toys and games that you love, but they make them incredibly small. Like, pocket size would be too big. So, like, really tiny. And so when they sent me a press release saying that they were going to have a tiny Chase versus Vraska dual deck, I was like, no way. You can't do it. It is not possible. Jason, like, man, you can't do it. And so I went to the appointment, and the first thing I said to them, and Linda can confirm this, I said, you sent me a press release and said that you can make a super tiny Chase versus Nebraska deck, and I don't believe you. Can we please see it? <laughs> may, I, may we please see it? And they said, sure, of course you can. And then obviously they showed us all their stuff too. But essentially, um, they shrunk down magic cards to the size of a postage stamp. Be a little bit bigger. A little bigger than a postage stamp. Maybe um, like two postage stamps adjacent. That's it. It was tiny. But they were the real cards. They weren't adjusted. The graphic design wasn't changed. That was one thing that was cool, but from a novelty perspective. I mean, the reality is this is the kind of thing that I would have, like, on a shelf or I would use as, like, a fidget toy to, like, just play around with small cards. I don't know that I would ever want to play a game of Magic with cards that small, but I don't think that any of these are intended to be, like, played. These are just intended to, like, mess Tinkered around. with, not played with. Correct. I think it's more the perspective. But they looked really neat. We realized after we took pictures that we did not have an item in for scale to really give you the full sense of the size of these. Yeah, because they were they very small. Because everything on the shelf was also scaled down. So um, that was super neat. The other things in the booth, they had some little mini arcade games and these little handheld... They had a functioning... Functioning. Functioning 
super tiny Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the arcade game, which is impressive in and of itself, but the, the actual arcade game was probably in the slowly functioning with scrolling screen and everything. That was probably, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't even know a good analog for how big it was. It's smaller than my phone. Yeah, I mean, like just for size, like height-wise, it is small. I have a um, Note 10, which is not a small phone, but it is smaller than my phone. It was definitely shorter <laughs> and very small, like inch and a half screen. Yeah, really. Here you small. were, like playing. Gonna, on it. I'm going to interrupt with the driving directions. Yep. We're doing 684 north. That's so we want to go left. We're going to be going left. Cool. A little bit. Sorry. Sorry for the driving directions, but... Okay. All right. So... There was only one more thing I want to say about that. Left. Last thing was the Rubik's Revolution, which we actually got to take a sample home of, so there will be uh, more to come with that. We got a cool little video, a little uh, boomerang of playing with that. Um, so what that is, it looks like a Rubik's Cube because it's the 40th anniversary of Rubik's and it's got a light on each side and so you're trying to turn this to have the light side up and then push the button and then flip it and keep going and it... So rather than trying to solve a Rubik's Cube, what you're doing is just spinning this cube around in your hands and manipulating it so that you can see which light is on and um, you have to push it, you have to push a button which is that light and then as soon as you push it, another one lights up, and you have to go find it, and it beeps at you, and, you know, eventually you run out of time, and it explodes, more or less. If you are, um, I, I don't remember my score. It wasn't great. 26? 26 or something. Right? Now, how about this? As soon as I said 26, the, the PR person was like, my highest score was 35, and I was like, girl... Well, for your first shot, I thought that was a pretty good score. Yeah, it took me a minute to really get used to it. Right. Um, I dug it. I yeah, dug no, it. I'm glad cool. they sent this one. We're going to have to have, like, a bracket tournament or something. Sounds to, like, really, like, really go. Um, you know, we can do them. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do we'll it. We'll do something silly. We're going to do something silly with these things because it is a really cool toy. It's coming back. It was out in, like, the 90s, and now they're bringing it back. Um, and I'm super down. Yep. That's super impulse. Again, this was something that we were not crazy enthused about. It was cool, but it wasn't something that we really thought was going to change our world. It still didn't, but they had really neat things. I was excited. I, I came out of it very positive, and I definitely liked the Rubik's Revolution. I don't know why I had never heard of it before since it came out before, but what are you going to do? There's a lot of stuff on the market. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. There is a lot All of right, stuff. so what happened okay. next? Then we went over to Haba. So yes, we did. So completely different tone. <laughs> we were from, like, novelty toys to super-focused yeah. children's games. Yes. So there were three games that we really wanted to highlight. There's others out there that are either coming very soon or have been recently published, but these three are the kind of the ones that came to the top as the most um, exciting out of Haba. Yeah. I mean, before you say those, yeah. I want to talk about one that we know was announced that wasn't on display, and that is a Christmas-themed Animal Upon Animal. Yes. That wasn't that on display, and I went specifically looking for it. Basically, it's Animal Upon Animal, mm -hmm. but instead of animals, they are Christmas things, like Christmas trees and stars and presents and things like that. I am incredibly hyped for that, because I feel like that's the kind of thing that you that you can play that's like an heirloom type game. It's true. That's the thing that comes out every Christmas. It can and go you can on the table. Yep, I that's... love that kind of stuff. So anyway, cool. what were the games that you found? So the three highlights out of Haba uh, is a new Unicorn Glitter Luck game called Unicorn Glitter Luck Cloud Stacking. Yeah, man. That was so adorable. It was absolutely adorable. Um, it is Okay, so Unicorn Glitter Luck is a roll and move game where you are unicorns running around on clouds. They basically made a cooperative Unicorn Glitter Luck game that also um, includes stacking like animal upon animal. So you have, you're basically picking up clouds and trying to rescue other unicorns and stacking them up on top of this castle 
Um, before you reveal three storm clouds. Before you reveal storm clouds, which are revealed by knocking stuff over. Um, very cute. It very was, cool. Um, Maggie's going to lose her mind. Pretty much. She's going to lose yep. her mind. Um, so we're very excited about that one. What, yep. was the, what were the other ones? Okay, second one. There is a sequel to the Earth, their Dragon's Breath game that won the Kinderspiel a few years ago. The new game is called Dragon's Breath The Hatching. It adds in the component of gems to collect. And the cool feature of this game is that you can play it as an independent standalone game, or you can use it as an expansion to the original Dragon's Breath game, and it adds a fifth player to the gameplay. This is just a super cool element of it. I love expansions that add an extra player. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Being able to but... add, go to five players is a really nice feature. Okay. So, and and, and what's the third one? The third one is Miyabi, which is a Michael Kiesling game, and he is just so well known in the board game world. He does really amazing work. This was an absolutely beautiful game. Um, unfortunately, their booth was super busy, and I didn't get a chance to really talk to anybody about this game, so I just got some really good pictures. It is just it's a stunning game. It's got some different components to it's it. A, it's a polyomino garden building game. You're stacking up the different pieces. So, for those that don't know, polyomino, which is probably a term we should put in the that's, glossary list, that's good. We'll um, a polyomino is basically their Tetris pieces. So, uh, it's a polyomino stat, uh, garden building game where you are kind of placing tiles down, these polyomino tiles down in a garden and stacking them up, and depending on how you stack them and what tiles you stack, you uh, earn points. And it is, but the, the big key here is that it is absolutely, you are building a beautiful garden. And what, what other and that, details you got for me? That was, that that was, was all I got for that. Oh, there was one more detail. Okay. So the rumor out right now among the in the Haba booth was that there's some buzz that this game may be getting looked at for the Kinderspiel for the for this coming year. So that's pretty exciting that they're being that that at least might be some potential. So we'll have to stay yeah. tuned for that. that. Well, we'll stay tuned. We'll keep our eyes out on that. Okay. Right. So, so after we were done with Haba, this was another we had another appointment that we really didn't know we were walking into. Um, it was for Doodle Matic. And Doodlematic, we did look it up and check out the website, but as we all know, sometimes, you know, it can be hard to tell from the picture on the line what you're really going to see when you're standing in front of it. And so this was really neat. This is a recent publication. It was launched last year. And what this is, there are three color markers that you actually have the children or whoever draw a picture, and that picture, depending on what color they use, those components then turn into a game. Using an app on the iPad. Or you can also do Android. They oh, did say it was iOS and, and uh, Android, so I did ask. So that's pretty neat. So it's incorporating their in, in their creativity, the independent work that they're doing, and then turning it into something they play with. Yep. So we definitely connected with them. We're looking to try to delve a little deeper into that. It's just something so innovative. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we went and we met them. It was designed by a married couple, a software engineer, and a high school art teacher, and they created a new product. They, they created this product because uh, they wanted to encourage creativity, and they wanted to kind of, the term they used was hide the broccoli in the french fries. That was the term. Which um, I would absolutely, I, first off, I found that I was a little upset only because I would love to find broccoli in my french fries sometimes. However, I know what they meant. The idea right. is to kind of hide, learn, you know, to encourage free thought and creativity, but also to kind of, uh, you know, give them a chance to learn about game design through some of those creative uh, efforts. I thought it was way cooler than it had any right to be. Um, the, my favorite part is that they were handing out cookies that were functioning mobile games because the cookies had um, frosting that was kind of drawn on to turn them into games. And I thought that was the coolest thing. Um, we're going to talk to them more. Uh, we're probably going to be messing around with the app 
and we're very likely going to have one or both of them on the podcast at some point in the coming months because it is a pretty nifty idea. Yep, that was something pretty cool. So after that appointment, we went over to Breaking Games. Got to love Breaking Games. Oh, that was fantastic. Uh, wonderful people over in that booth, and so we got to see a ton of stuff. Again, there's a bunch that they had that is fairly recent releases. Um, it would we could do a whole podcast just on what was in their booth, um, but we're just going to give you a couple highlights. Yep. So the biggest thing that they were really featuring is a cooperative game. Am I going 84 East? You are. Right? You are going East. Yep. Okay, that's what I thought. Yep. And then we know from 84 East. Yeah. All right. Spoilers, spoilers. We're getting closer to home. We no longer need the GPS in a few minutes. So, um, so there theme that was like a big feature is this really intense cooperative game but it's it was this it's cooperative but kind of not they called it cutthroat (laughs) and it's called weird doom and the thing that just really struck us both there is a hard 15 minute time cap on this game there is a sand timer and that's all the time you've got to figure everything out and Escape essentially. Yeah, basically, the world is ending. Typical apocalyptic game. And the idea is the various countries in the world have to work together to build a rocket ship to escape. And so, um, everyone, each player at the table, up to ten, by the way, is a different country. And you are working to gather resources, complete quests, you know, train up scientists, etc., to build this rocket ship. Um, but some people will have hidden agendas. And so, you know, the idea is you need to be on this ship when it takes off, but everybody, you know, different people over time throughout the game will get different goals. Uh, the fact that by itself is cool. But then when you couple in the fact that you only have 15 minutes to get through all of these, um, you know, get through all your various missions to move through your turns, uh, there are certain cards that when you play them, um, their event cards, and you have, what you have to do is you have to read them out loud. And some of them are very long and wordy, and one of them is literally called a filibuster card, and it just tells a story that is irrelevant. You just have to read it, and you lose time. Um, really fascinating, really cool, obviously a little dark. However, it is a, it's a cooperative experience. Uh, I think it looks great. And yep. um, we know they're going to be sending it to us, so we will likely have more to talk about it later. All right, the second one I want to talk about, and I know Steve is doing a ton of talking, but this one was his shtick completely. It was a, a theme that I did not know. It was probably a YouTube, YouTuber, YouTube thing. And yeah. Odd Ones Out. So tell them about that, because I had no idea walking into this. Okay, so the Odd Ones Out is a YouTube <laughs> channel. Um, my kids absolutely love this guy. He's an animator and he worked with Breaking Games to license a game called, um, like, Can't Find Harry, I believe is the name of the game. I will verify that while you tell what it is. Um, and it is essentially uh, you, it's a trick-taking game, but the idea is you are dealing out cards and trying to, um, I don't, actually I don't think it's a trick-taking game. You're, uh, the, it's the, a set collection game. Can't catch Harry. It's a set collection game where you are, you know, pass, you know, drawing a card and passing a card to your opponent, drawing a card, passing a card. And the idea is you're trying to match sets, and once you have it, you're supposed to reach onto the table to try and grab Harry, who is a moth. He's on the table, um, and the idea is you are um, as soon as you try to reach for Harry and have a match, everything else is a free for all. So everybody else can try and grab it too. So you don't want to reach slowly, right? Like you really want to be tactical about it and because it is entirely possible that you could reach for it and other people will respond and they might steal Harry right out from under you. Um, it is a weird theme trying to catch a moth, but whatever. Um, the Odd Ones Out is a very weird YouTuber. He makes these, you know, weird anim- animations. He talks about working at Subway because he doesn't want to say Subway because he doesn't want to get sued, even though he probably wouldn't. Um, 
it's, a, I mean, it's interesting. The art style is cool. I actually found that they're making a bunch of other, like, plushies and squishies and stuff based on him. Um, and I put some of that up on our Instagram story. I, I, all I know is they sent us home with a copy of it. It's sitting in the seat behind me. I took a picture of it, sent it home to our children, and they all just immediately just started shouting and running around. So they are hype. Because they're my children, that means by by definition they're going to be are they unmitigated. Junior hype monsters? They're definitely unmitigated hype monsters. <laughs> All right. So that is that one. And the yep. last one we're gonna well actually I'm gonna sneak in one extra one. Good. I'm gonna do one more and then you can tell about what's in the back of the car that we got to pick up this afternoon and you oh, had yeah, that big thing. heavy yeah, thing. Yeah, the big heavy thing. Um the last one I'm gonna talk about for breaking games is game of phones. And this was a really cool concept. So they were describing it as instead of fighting the tweens and teens with their phones or, you know, the other family members with their phones in their hands that are peeking at their phones, they're going to make the phone a crucial component of the game. So in Game of Phones, you have one person that draws a card and they read the challenge basically to the group. And the the person that draws the card is the influencer. And they have to do something. So, for example, one of the cards is tell the influencer's fortune for this month using five emojis. Uh, the influencer takes a grinning selfie, recreate it using your camera. Uh, I like this one. Find the influencer's mythical creature companion. So it's using your phone in some way, whether it's searching for something or something with the photos. And then the influencer decides who's done it best. And then they get the card in place. Yep. So... What I really thought was a cool thing, though, is that in the box that that comes in, there is also a phone-free version. And we haven't gotten to see what those cards look like just yet. But but they sent it home with us. That was in our our care package? Yeah. So we will get a chance. That will be something we get to take a closer look at as we go through all of our samples and all of the cool games we got to bring back from Toy Fair. So stay tuned for more on the different aspects of Game of Home. So there was one they sent us home with, which was a gargantuan box, and there was it was quite a, a sight of us lugging it back to the train station. Yeah, it was really annoying <laughs> by the <laughs> time we it. got to the train. Worth it. Worth it, but man, was a challenge <laughs> getting on the bus with it. So the game is called Flick Wars, and more or less what Flick Wars is, is Flick Wars is a, it's a dexterity strategy game where you are flicking your army around a board. And the idea is that it is using, it is played using a big neoprene playmat. And the way that you create terrain and, and interesting obstacles on this big neoprene playmat is you actually put stuff underneath the mat, um, which creates like these soft rolling hills or walls, etc. This is a game that a friend of the show, Rob Kalajian, uh, had sent to him, and he had been playing with it and really enjoying it. And so uh, I expressed an interest in it, and Breaking Games said, uh, Peter Vaughn from Breaking Games said that he was going to get me a copy. I mentioned it while I was at the booth, and they said, you know what, this is big, it's huge, rather than shipping it to you, because I'm sure the shipping on that is bananas, we'll just give it to you here. And so I brought it home. I was very happy, um, we, and I cannot wait to show everybody how bananas this game is. It looks really fun. So then we were done with breaking games. All right, and then we went over to one of our favorite people ever over at Mineware and Peaceable Kingdom, and we got to talk to your... Well, I, obviously I got to talk to my BFF, your BFF, Elise. Elise was amazing. She's just such a sweetie. But she showed us, and we're going to kind of go through this quick, because, again, they had so many things. Um, from the mineware side of that company, uh, there were two that we got to see that just looked really, really cool. Uh, yep. The first was Rock Paper Switch. Sure. Rock Paper Switch is a two to four player chess slash checkers style game where you're moving pieces around a board. Um, but it also combines rock, paper, scissors, where like paper can only take rock and scissors can take, or rock can take scissors and scissors can take paper. The pieces move. Um, each piece has its own movement rules. Yeah. So similar to chess pieces, how each piece has a specific yes. rule for movement. Rock has one kind of movement. 
Deeper has a different movement, and scissors has a different kind of movement than that. And so, for example, paper moves like a rook. It moves in a straight line, forward, back, left, or right. Scissors can only move diagonally, and um, rock moves like a king. <laughs> it can move in any direction. Um, let me tell you, uh, I think that game is going to be cool. It's a four-player game. Um, I think all of all three of our kids, or all four of our of our boys, are going to love this game. I, I think, think so. that he might like it. Um, but I definitely can imagine putting this down in front of our four boys, and they will just be super dumb with it. True. It's just silly enough having it be the rock, paper, scissors theme to just yeah. change the, the whole tone of it. I also kind of like the colors. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, just the way the board was, was and the color of the pieces. I thought it was neat. I, I thought it was neat. Yeah. No, that was definitely a neat one. Okay. The other Mineware one that we saw that was really neat was called Triumph of the Temple. So this is a tile-laying game where you are matching the pictures. And unlike a lot of tile-laying games, many of them only require you to match one component. This one requires all components to match. So if you only are connecting on one side, you only have to have that one side match. If you are putting a piece in and there's three sides that it's going to be touching, all three have to match. Yep. So it makes it a bit challenging with that. Um, it's got a cool Egyptian theme. There are these cool gemstones that are incorporated into the game. I and it comes in a pyramid box. It does come in a very cool pyramid box. That's on our Instagram already, I believe. Yep. Um, and then there's a cool bag to store things back into because you're never getting them in the box the same way. Probably not. Nope. Probably not. That's, that's what Elise said. That's why there's a bag. Yeah, it's a bag. <laughs> it's a bag. Um, they're from Minnesota. Um, so... I thought it was great. I thought it was super cool. I'm very curious what like it com- looks like, what a case looks like coming out of the factory. Oh, you know they're all inverted in that. I know, which is, great, which is cool. It's okay. So cute. Um, right. Okay, so that's the mindware stuff. Now right. we move into Peaceable Kingdom, which is a hundred percent your wheelhouse. Oh my goodness, so, so cute! Just, so just just yes. do your thing. Okay, I'm gonna go quick because these are for the little, little, little. Um, there was a super cute little for the two-year-old duck, 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 duck dance. And what this is, there are four dice. They have ducks doing a different dance move. You literally just roll them, place them in the, uh, there's a little holder for it, place them in the holder in order, and you have to perform that dance. So it's teaching body awareness, and it's teaching the roll and it's all the directions. Really simple. Uh, the next one was uh, called Panda's Picnic. You are picking items for the picnic out of the basket. You're trying to either match the color or the shape, and you can change it up a little bit. The nice thing with these games for the little teeny tiny toddlers is they do give you suggestions for ways to build gameplay, turn-taking, language, uh, visual discrimination, identification, all of those good early learning skills. So you can do color, shape, um, name the foods, all kinds of things. Super, super cute. Um, so that's Panda's Picnic. Um, and it comes in a little picnic it's a basket. Ba- yeah, they theme it. They do such a great job. So you have to reach into the basket. So, so cute. Um, they had a color-matching one called Blast Off Bingo. It's got the little top bubble that we all love from our childhood. And it's push on the, the top bubble, which is another good kinesthetic piece with that, using that, the hand strength. Um, and it comes up just with a simple color. You have to put a token on one of the same color little smiley faces on your board. And it's a standard bingo day game with a fun little twist. Yep. So practical identification, again, for the very little. And then of the little, little ones we talked about, and there were a few others, but these were the highlights, um, Bandit's Memory Mix-Up, your favorite thing is a memory game. Yeah, listen, <laughs> I would, you guys made me do it. We and, did make him play. And I thought, so the idea is you have a, like a magnifying glass that is... It's not actually a magnifying glass. Well, it's, it's magnifying it's, shape. It's a prop magnifying a prop. glass that has two pieces of plastic. And in the middle of those two pieces of plastic, you put these discs. And on one side are all these pictures. And then on the other side is just, you know, like the logo. Right. The idea is you flip it upside down, shake it, then take you look at them. First you look at them and see what all the pictures are. Then you flip it upside down and shake it and take one out. Then you flip it back over and you have to remember what was missing. So you don't have the advantage of the location anymore. And it's harder than it looks. And this game is only, you know, it's for three and up. 
and it, it it's hard to have to try to have some kind of a memory strategy to remember what was missing from the For real though, uh, I thought that what was missing was a muffin and it was a frog. <laughs> it was a frog. It was we we enjoyed that. Day. And you gave me a break. You gave me a pass. You were very nice. Elise, however, she she, she did not. She might have teased you. She a teased bit. me a bit. That's okay. That's okay. Um, there were a few other cool little things. Um, again, they'll be up on our Instagram. There's too much to talk about everything at every booth because there just was so something. That was pretty much the end of the first day. No, right? not no? yet. We had two more booths. Okay. Two. All right. All right. We'll say real quick. Calliope. Wow. Was our next one. Yeah. No, we still had some hot stuff. Yesterday was very busy. You can tell. It was, yeah, it was bananas. You can tell I front loaded everything. Um, so I'm just going to name them really quick. Um, there'll be more to come because there's just so much to cover. Um, Ship Shape. Which is made by Rob Davial. It is a very cool spatial awareness game. Um, that was hard. You know, my uh, my favorite thing. It, it was very difficult. Fortunately, I had played it before, so they gave me a chance. Um, that is a very cool visual-looking game visually. Basically, you're, you are building and filling a cargo hole. Um, and, yeah, very cool. Okay, and then we had Spymaster. And this reminded me a lot, and visually only, of Pandemic. Yeah. Because it's got the map, there's points on the map, you've got different colored, in this case, spies, all over the map and different objectives. And that's kind of where the similarities ended. But really cool. This one was a little bit heavier, a little more involved. Still a family game, but a more complex family game for the older set of the family. Yeah, it's definitely more heavy than Calliope normally goes. This might yes. arguably be their heaviest game. Um, which is fine. And when we say heavy, we mean complex. Yes. Normally, Calliope is known for gateway games. This game qualifies, but it's definitely harder. Right. It's on their harder end. They even said this is definitely pushing their envelope a little bit with the challenge. Um, and then, super cute game. Um, everyone loves a parade. And yep. you are literally finding the elements to create floats that suit the desires of the crowd. And you're building across, uh, horizontally across the table the different uh, floats, not actually building them, like representing it with the different components, and there are little figures to represent your parade floats, but they are uniform for each player. Yep. So it, it still looks really cool all across the table. Um, they've got things like balloons and flowers, and there's different colors and flags. So, you know, it's, again, not a super simple, it's nothing like in Peaceful Kingdom, much more complicated than that, but definitely a family weight game. Um, with a little more challenge, uh, but so cute. So Definitely cute. cute. I, I mean, I love the the theming. This, I believe this was a Titan game. Um, so you're trying to, the trying to build a parade is a really neat theme. Yes. One that I really had never thought about before. It really is starting to get to the point where you can make a board game about anything. True. So true. And the last one from Calliope was their Kickstarter that they had earlier, uh, Thorough Phoenix Rising. And that's the one I'm definitely personally most excited for. It takes the classic hero that they've made ages ago, and it added some very neat elements. Um, in the original game, you lose the, you're out of the game by going off the board, but being a phoenix, you have one shot to go off and come back, which adds a cool element. And the tray that those tiles were in, you are moving tiles in this game yep. after they're placed. So, so they like have spinning them. Spinning them, and so they created a tray that the tiles all sit on so you can move tiles and pick them up and manipulate them and not disturb anything else. Everything stays in neat rows. So for those of us that when things are in disarray, it, it's frustrating. They have solved that with this tray. Insert. Absolutely true. Absolutely so that true. may have been my favorite feature about that game. Yep. All right. And our final stop of the first day <clears throat> was at Aiello. And yep. we went over to their Loki series, which is meant for their younger, the younger players. Yep. And there were five, no, I'm sorry, four games that we, yeah. There were four. No. Was it three? There no, were there three. were four. I have the fourth one is the last place we had that little stop off at the end. So we had one place after Aiello. Okay. All my notes. We had Mia London, which is a memory game, and you are trying to remember what item on this little cute monster is only one of, and there's two of everything. Yeah, so, so you're dealing out cards with all these different features. You're dealing them out in, like, a pattern, um, and you are, there are pairs of, let's different kinds of mustaches or different kinds of hats, and there's pairs of them, 
one of them has been pulled out of the stack, and you have to identify which one didn't have a matching pair. And the idea is everybody has like a book with the all these different hats and glasses and mustaches, and so you open up your book and you kind of flip to the page that has the, the glasses right, or hats whatever or whatever. Whatever you think there's only one, of, and you're trying to remember now. So yeah, remember. Um, and then you close the book, and then you do you keep going um, through four different features of this monster. Um, and then at the end, you have to see you earn points based on how right you were compared to what was missing. Um, I thought it was cute. Uh, I, I think I would have done pretty well if I didn't close my book. Because the, the game, the main component is this neat little book with all the different features that you can flip through. Had I not closed it wrong at the very end, right. I think I had a pretty good shot. I like to think. I didn't do very well. I yeah, had, you, you I, I'm not good, a little bit. I'm not good at remembering that kind of thing. Um, the next game, the next game for my yellow, um, this was not your thing. We are learning more and more what is our, what is our personal preference and what it is with our skills and personalities. Slash eight. So if you think of the little toys you would get, like carnival or well, whatever. Well, think about the, like the, Rubik's race. Yeah. Think about Rubik's race because it was very similar to that. Yes. Because this is a thing where you're doing quickly. So what is it? A disc that's got, I think, nine spaces. Yep. There's nine spaces, but there's only eight tokens. Yep. So it's like those little puzzles that you can, like, get a carnival that you're trying to shift to adjust the picture. Well, there's a card you're trying to match where the colored pictures make them match the card. You're trying to shift your board to match that card, and when you match it, you can take the card, and then it reveals another one. And so you're trying to do this quickly because there's a timer running. And you're also trying to compete with your opponents because right. if your opponent matches a card that you're working on, then it goes first, away. Then they take it. Right. So it is challenging. It's definitely that spatial awareness of being able to like plan and move the pieces where you need it. Um, the nice thing is these tokens can be lifted out of the board, so you can have more free spaces and you can scale it down for younger players or for adults that have trouble with it like us. Yeah, this is not my game. No. Um, I knew it from the minute they split it out. I said, nope, this is not my jam. I'm not but you were a good sport and tried it. I was a good sport and I tried it. I mean, I thought the components felt cool and I loved the design. You know, it looked neat. Um, it's very colorful. But yeah, it was not my jam. These kinds of those kinds of puzzles are not my thing. I'm not good at figuring them out. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, that was challenging. But it's a cool game, and for the right people that are good with that spatial relations, and they were yeah. saying, the, the people at the booth were saying they keep going over and playing it, and it's addictive. Because you keep wanting to just try and get better and try it again. Yeah, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so what's the other All game? right, the last one, this one was not my jam. That was Stay Cool. So yep. in this game, and you were a good sport and played it, I, I was, you were playing like the person in the hot seat. I didn't even want to try that. I'll be honest. I was not the good sport. Um, but the idea is there are at least three players. One person's in the hot seat, and the other people are asking. One's asking questions off a card. They're simple questions, but they're asking questions simultaneously. Another person is giving clues that you need to then build the answer using letter dice. And it's a simple answer, the three or four letter word. But you have to then manipulate the dice to find the letter you need, and you have to think of what the answer is. So one of the questions was like, where do bears live? And the answer is den, D-E-N. So the word den is easy, but you've got to do it quickly. You've got to find the right letters, lay them out. And then at the same time, somebody's asking you a question like, what is your favorite comic strip? What is a shelter booth for a dog call? Like these random little questions. And so you have to do both. Yeah, and you get points the more answers you build with dice and the more random questions you answer, you get points for all that. So it was a lot going on. It was personally a lot for me, but I could see people that enjoy, like, the fun chaos really getting into this. Absolutely. So I thought Ayala was our last one. I had one more note. We actually ended our day with a uh, game that had been on Kickstarter called Storytime Chess. And this is a really interesting game, and it's incorporating literature and storytelling into teaching the rules of chess and the mechanics. Yep. And so they have a storybook that goes through each piece.
he's on the board and teaches, like tells a story as to explain their movement pattern and their objectives. Yep. So it was very, very cute. They all have a name. I don't remember any of them right now. Um, oh, King Shaky. King Shaky. And that was the only one he told us. That's why that's we don't why remember anymore. Okay. He only told us about King Shaky. So, and, you know, it explains how King Shaky is so timid, and so he only moves one space at a time. And it was it was a really a neat memory aid. And this is, you could even start with three-year-olds learning to play chess because you're working with them, you're reading them the stories, and they've got the pawns, the different pawn pieces have a little niche that you put a picture of the character in front of the actual chess piece, the regulation chess piece, so that they tie in the story with the pawns, the pieces, and then eventually you can remove that if they're just using the regulation chess piece. Yep. So it's really neat. And then they, because they felt that they needed to, the front of the game, the top one side of the board, is more storybook looking. It still has a chess grid, but it's got extra details on it to make it more younger kid friendly. And you flip over the board, it's a standard regulation chess board. So they included both of those. So we're going to definitely investigate more with them and touch base. Um, They've talked about they're going to get us a copy so we can play around with it with our children. Yep. So... It'll be interesting to see, you know, which of our kids kind of gloss onto that a little bit more. Right. Um, Not necessarily a game that I think everyone will. This is a very specific niche. Definitely. I think that there's no denying that it's a very specific niche, but uh, I think it's a fun one, and I think it's interesting. Very enthusiastic crew, so I have a feeling there are people out there that really want to teach their kids chess, and this is going to be one way to do it. It is. So that that was the end of day one. (laughs) And if you're tired listening, you can imagine we were tired doing that. Um, yeah, we were so, so tired. We were supposed to record this podcast last night. We couldn't because we couldn't even think straight. No. <laughs> um, and here we are, gluttons for punishment. Uh, let's go in right into day two. All right. The theme for day two was perfect timing. It's true. And really, here's what it comes down to: is everywhere we were was the perfect time to be there. Um, which sounds kind of cliche, but no, it's true. Um, we walked by booths and were able to find neat things about them just randomly while we were trying to fill time. Um, you know, it was just, we, we made it to our uh, one of our appointments early, so we were able to meet with a new PR person who happened to have already sent us stuff. Um, so... It was very cool. Um, so the first thing was you, we finally were able to connect with Blue Orange Games. Why don't you give us, like, the one? The one? The one from Blue Orange, because they All also right. showed you a million they things. They showed me a whole bunch. I would like to delve deeper, so we'll have to do this another day. We're going um, So the one that I had the most fun with yep. um, is a game called Starlink. So what you're doing, it's got a mat. Uh, a board, rather, that has all stars all over it, and you're essentially drawing constellations. So you get a card, and there's two choices on it, and you have to pick whatever word it is. So, for example, they had a dog. So you have to try to draw a dog, um, basically connecting the dots, however you decide to create a dog constellation. But you're not saying anything. And the other players can't see those cards, so they have to guess what you've drawn, and you can give them no hints. And if they're able to successfully get your constellation, then they get points. And, you you know, there's benefits when they get it and there's penalties when they don't. You get to, like, mark the name, name the constellation. It's super cute. So it's dry erase. Um, really, really cute. So it's, essentially it's a party game, but it's got these other elements. It's not like a standard party game. You see so many party games that are just so wacky. And this is just... I know, it was very serene doing it. Like, it wasn't super crazy. So yep. that was my number one. There's way more to talk about from Blue Orange. But yeah, we might end up having to do a whole episode about them, especially since we uh, are now fully fully connected with them, which is great. Yeah, that um, was the best part of that was the, you know, the perfect timing that we were able to touch base with the uh, stateside PR person. So, yeah. yeah so the next thing we did is we ended up having to split up because for the first time all weekend I double booked us. So you went to the OP, and which is formerly known as USAopoly, and you had a very interesting experience. 
experience in that you can't talk about anything that you saw there. Pretty much. I think there were two. There were two. And, and so, it's, yeah. And so <laughs> everything else was super embargoed. So this was your first experience yeah, so with embargoed games without me there. Right. So you had gone to the OP last year, and I had done another appointment. So we switch roles this time. Yep. And I go in, and the first thing I ask say is, please put your phone away because they don't want you to take any pictures. Yep. And um, so pretty much I took six pages of notes. I was allowed to write as many notes as I wanted to, and I took six pages of notes in my 30-minute appointment. So if you can imagine, my hand might have been a little cramped after that. Um, Such cool stuff coming. I can't say much more than that, but oh, my goodness, such cool stuff coming. Um, Very exciting. Um, Lots of things either in the spring. Um, August is a big month. Yeah. There was a lot of things. They're hoping for August. Of course, a lot can happen between now and then. Yep. So we'll see. Um, So how did – here's what I want to know. I want to know how it felt. Like, just with that weight of that secret, all that stuff that you now know... That I cannot that say. That you can't talk about. Um, it, it's... I almost worrisome. I'm so afraid I'm going to forget that it's embargoed and mess up and, like, get in trouble. You can do it. I, I can do it. I can do it. I mean, I went through it. My notes are, have giant E's written all over next to the different titles so that I... The first thing I see is the E for embargo. So I have coded my notes so that that's the first thing I see. Yeah. Um, and I just know basically... So we're kind of doing a reverse with the notes for this. Is I don't say anything about it until I check my notes and make sure there's no. Yeah, pretty and much. That's the way to do it. So uh, what? So I, while you were at the OP, I went to Robinsburg. Yeah, you did. Um, and there were a lot of great things there. I mean, just to kind of talk about some of the highlights. I mean, the biggest highlight is uh, Marvel Villainous, which is um, coming out this summer in August. Um, they have already announced three of the five villains that will be in the game. One of them is Thanos, the other one is Ultron, and the last one is Hela. Um, from, uh, you'll know her from Thor Ragnarok. Yes, oh, she's such a cool character. Um, and cool villain. So, it is, it's like villains. You got villains, um, and you are playing as them, and they each play differently. They, they have different goals. They have different kind of side quests and powers. Um, the difference comparing that to other villainous games is whereas the other games have each villain has their own fate deck because they're in their own individual movies, Marvel, um, all, they are in a shared universe, which means that they have a shared fate deck. Um, which And what happens is if you are playing Thor, for example, out of the Fate deck, um, Thor can fight any of the villains. Uh, He's not specifically tied to fighting Hela or Thanos. So it's a very different experience, whereas before, you know, you would only, Ismo would only have to deal with Kronk if he turned into a good guy or anything like that. So it's very cool, very excited about that. I also got to look at the the Minecraft game that came out last summer. Uh, I got to take a look at the new... um, a new uh, Back to the Future game that they have, which is a cooperative game. Um, and I saw the Wonder Woman uh, and, and the Amazons cooperative game, which is super cool. It is uh, itself very pandemic to me in that you are, you know, they're, each round has different phases where you know the bad guys do some crazy stuff, and you are moving your characters around the map, <laughs> distributing resources, and completing small challenges. Um, it's super cool. Um, I love the miniatures, and I love the theme. Uh, it's perfect timing. Um, Robinsburger is just killing it. Is really what it was. Yeah, those look, those sound so cool. I did get to take a sneak peek as I was passing through the booth and saw the Wonder Woman. It looks really cool. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Can't wait everything. to get a hand on it. So um, what happened after that? So after I was at the OP, I finished up first, and I got a little tip that I might want to go to the end of the aisle where the OP booth was, and I found a small um, game that, or not a small game, I found a game that is basically a dungeon crawl. Uh, so it's going through 
going through the, the different paths and trying to defeat the you know bad guys that pop up, but it's super simple and streamlined and is ages seven and up. And I got very excited. It's called Catacombs of Karak, and this is exactly something that we need in my house because we've been playing Dungeons and Dragons, and with the older children, well, my seven-year-old. Okay, well, so uh, that was. That sure was fun. Uh, Linda and I found out while driving home that there is a time limit on how much you can record while you're recording an anchor. That time limit is an hour. So um, we certainly have a few more things to talk about, specifically uh, our trip to the Funko Games booth, but we are going to do that on our next podcast when we have a little bit more time. So, uh, yeah, that I hope you guys enjoyed listening to some of our wild and crazy adventures in New York City. And uh, she'll be back on the next board game podcast where we will talk about more crazy stuff. And um, yeah, so hope you guys have a great day. We will talk to you soon. And until next time, don't forget to get your family game on. Bye now.